Learn how to build your faith in God's Word and live a life of 100% victory 100% of the time. As you listen to the Senior Pastor, Davis Christian Center, Pastor Kingsley Okunkwo, and expect God's Word to work for you. You're unlimited. Nothing's going to stop you this year. The Bible says, in that, our text scripture for the year, DJ, bring it up. Philippians 4.13, Amplified. You guys need to be meditating on that scripture. It's talking about your life. Amen? Every word of prophecy needs the cooperation of the person receiving the prophecy. Can we read it together, everybody? Want to go? All things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner power confidence. Come on, give the Lord a praise this morning. You must keep meditating on that um, scripture. Hallelujah. This morning we're starting a new series and I want to go straight um, into it. Praise God. Um, and just um, for the records, in case of people that were not in the family meetings, um, our, our general dress code in church is not compulsory, of course, but so that you won't be confused when you see us dressed in a certain way some days, okay? Usually on first Sundays, it's Thanksgiving service, so most ministers and co usually will dress in traditional kind of wear. It's not compulsory. Nobody's going to arrest you, but that's, I'm just trying to explain how it will look so that you won't be looking like we are strange people. All right, then on the last Sundays of the year, of the month also, um, we generally dress churchy. So um, we could wear blazers or suits. That's for ministers and uh, most workers. So um, because those days are child education and co, so uh, we try to look a bit pastorly on those days. But anything in between, we generally would dress the way I'm dressing, semi-casual or casual. Um, that's how we, we're, we're not planning to die anytime soon. If our president is 100 years old and is still on, look, oh, sorry, maybe 90 years old and is still on, hey man, we're not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> Praise God. We're here. Praise God. So you will see us dressed in jeans and casual. So don't be, uh, you can wear what you like, but this is just how we will do it, all right? Any Sunday between those two, we'll be wearing jeans like this and semi casual stuff. Praise God. So that you won't just be looking at us stranger. What kind of church is this now? Uh, we're young people. Praise God. Uh, all right. Today we're talking about the biggest lie. Let me tell you about the biggest lie. This lie is so strong, so persuasive that um, it's very easy to believe this lie. It's very strong and persuasive. And in my experience as a pastor, but I hear the lie, it's not a big lie. It's not. It's a big lie, but it's not a new lie. Some of you have even told this lie. Some of you even tell this lie. You first start, because the lie is strong and persuasive, so you have believed it. You tell yourself the lie, and you have started telling people the lie. It's a strong lie. Praise God. It's one of the first um, lies that man was told when he came, and he, man has believed it and been running with it since that time. Praise God. The lie is very simple. When Adam and Eve were created... If you have ever read the Bible or heard the story at least, um, when God blessed them and everything, one of the things God said to them in the book of Genesis is that you can eat 
of the trees of this garden. If I say you can eat anything you see in this garden, except one particular one. Am I correct? Look at it here. Uh, no, no, this is not what I'm... I, want, I say we're God. You're talking about serpent. Wow. It says, um, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of what? Everything in the garden you may freely eat. Great news. It's over everything you may freely eat. Every tree of the garden, enjoy. You may freely eat. Next verse. It says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt what? Not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, that shall surely die. He said, eat everything you like, except one. Now, listen, the, the, the series, this series actually, the original intent is to teach you seven things that God said is holy. That's the original intent. It's just that the thing that challenges the seven things that is holy is the lie that those seven things are not holy. It's the lie that you are free to eat anything you want to eat. What God said is that you can eat every other tree but one. The principle of holiness, holiness is not to be without flaw. The real meaning of holiness is to be separate and special and kept aside. Separated, special, uncommon. Is somebody getting this? So when the Bible says we are meant to be holy, they are not saying we are meant to be without flaw. That's not what makes us holy. What makes us holy is that we are set aside. We are not for common use. Is somebody getting this? We are sanctified. We are kept for the master's use. Basically, what holiness is trying to connote is that it's something kept aside for the special use of the master. For the special use of the purpose of the master. Somebody gets what I'm saying? That's what holiness is supposed to be. And Christians are called to be holy, by the way. I'll get into that more next week. Christians are called to be holy, but holy doesn't mean I don't... <laughs> I was telling them at the Island Church on Tuesday, I suffer a lot as a pastor. One of my greatest things I suffer is when uh, every time I enter somebody's car and they need to carry me somewhere, either here or abroad. In fact, abroad is even worse. Anywhere I enter somebody's car and they need to drop me somewhere, pick me somewhere, they have the idea of always playing gospel music. <laughs> I, I'm telling you. Once they say, oh, please help us pick up Pastor Kingsley or this person, once I enter the car, thank you for saving me, thank you, my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, my Lord. No, immediately. They'll press it. Too. And I'm laughing my mind because I think this guy thinks it's only gospel music I listen to. This guy thinks because I'm a pastor, you know, I'm not a real human being. That I just float on the air. That's what this guy thinks. And most times I don't bother to tell them play any other thing. You don't have to play, hey, thank you for saving me. 
I'm serious. Everywhere in the world, not only Nigeria, everywhere. When I say this, Pastor, Jesus is the sweetest. No. I listen to a lot of songs. If I, those of you that follow me on Instagram, I even post some of the songs. For my papa no be dangote. For we go there. Ask my wife. I sing that song. I sing it to her. I'm married. I can sing a love song. If a song is based on love, as long as it's not vulgar or dehumanizing human beings or, or devaluing women, <laughs> praise God. I, I, I listen. I, um, there's DJ Fresh in, in church. How many of you know DJ Fresh? Praise God. I've told him he's, he's doing a, a mixtape for me right now of, of a lot of songs, and they are not Thank You for Saving Me. <laughs> Along with the songs, you know, are not vulgar, and they are not, um, you know, saying anything against the word of God. Uh, see, by the way, and those of you that are Christians or even the choir, there's no rule that you must only sing gospel, Christian song. Because you, you don't go to a Christian bank. You don't go to a Christian school. Are you here, somebody? That the, the point is that, you know, that's not what makes us holy. What makes us holy is in not getting contaminated by the things that contaminate the world. Are you here, somebody? See, don't let the devil harass us. Love and anything related to it is of God first. Love and, uh, between two people is God that started it. So I, I, I can't be singing a love song and be ashamed to sing it or ashamed to embrace it because I'm a Christian. All the songs I must sing to my wife must be Christian song. How can that even be possible? Somebody get what I'm saying? So please, if, I, if you ever carry me your car, don't put thank you for saving me. <laughs> Except that's what you wanted to hear. That's fine. But don't put it because you hear that I'm a pastor entering your... You know, sometimes people think that we are not real people. And that, sometimes that's what's happening and making us not able to reach unbelievers because they, they always assume we are, we are not in touch with reality. And that's not Christianity at all. That's not what Christianity is about. Now, please let me say this again. I'm not saying I listen to any kind of junk. If the songs are not um, um, edifying in any way, I, can, I will not listen to it. All right? If they're, if they're dehumanizing women or talking about just money, making money, making money, that's not how I live. All right? If you're just drugs, all kind of, I will not, I don't listen to those. But if it's any other thing that is human, I mean, I mean people, there are, many, there are many things you can sing about that is not even, that, that is not gospel, but are things that people relate to it. There are many social issues going on that you can sing about. So it doesn't have to be, um, thank you for saving me. Are you here, somebody? Okay. I used to like the um, Abel God one until I saw that most of the things they were saying was related to, you want to log in, uh, Aboki has done dollars. So it sounded like they are talking more to um, Yahoo guys. So that was my problem. Apart from that, I like the chorus, Able God. I like it. Everything about this song is good. Only that I saw that it looked like they were in, in code, in parables, speaking to some kind of people. <laughs> Apart from that, the song is great. There's nothing wrong in that. God, our God is an able God, is he not? Yes. See, don't let unbeliever come and take this that belong to us and now be using it to shakara. It's our own. The able God is our God, now our God first. They don't know him. They only know about him. We will know him. You know there's a difference? The unbelievers don't know God. They know about God. We will know God. This, this one is not my message. I wasted all my time. Just seeing you people. What doesn't concern the message? Let me try and get back. Okay, so, God told them, eat, eat anything you can eat. 
except one. And holiness is trying to say that there is a part of every aspect of your life that is kept aside. God gives you every other thing but. He said, of all the trees, eat freely. I like those terms. You can eat anything freely but. Look at it here. And the Lord commanded man saying, of every tree in this garden, thou mayest what? Freely eat. Next verse starts with but. And the biggest lie is Satan coming to say there's no but. That's the biggest lie. That there's no but. You are free to eat everything, both the one they gave you and the but. That's the biggest lie. So when it came to Adam and Eve, what did he tell them? He said, did God say you should not eat this one? No. Eat everything, your own and his own. And God had warned them, the day you fall into that trap, you will begin to die. Thou shalt surely die. The day you fall into the trap of thinking, you have the authority over everything in your hand. I don't know if you got what I'm saying. Just because it's in your hand doesn't mean it's your own. <laughs> I will say that again. Just because it's in your hand doesn't mean what? It's your own. Just because it's in your care doesn't mean it belongs to you. And that is the biggest challenge you're going to face as a human being dealing with that issue. Let me move quickly. So, for today, what is holy is the Sabbath day. The principle of the Sabbath is what I'm dealing with today. And I'll deal with seven things that God said is holy. Seven things that God said, this one separate it. Don't use it commonly. Don't use it generally. Don't eat of it. It's not your own. It's you, but it's not your own. I get, and that's God. God will give it to you, but he needs to see, and this is the principle we must understand, the principle of holiness and the principle of Sabbath, all of them are rooted in one thing. It's rooted in trust. God wants to trust you. See, you can't know if you trust somebody except there's a reason to test the trust. I don't know if you heard what I'm saying. Trust is not trust until it's tested, though. You don't know if you're a tough, you don't even know if you're a thief yet. Wait till you have the chance to steal and not steal. Some of you right now, the only reason why you are not stealing is because you've not had the chance. You're a thief already. <laughs> you've not just had the chance. That's what's stopping you. It's not that you are not a thief. You are a thief as much as any other person. The only issue is that you've not had the chance. It's when you get the chance and don't steal, then we'll know you are not a thief. I don't know if you have got what I'm saying. So the whole principle of trust is that God is saying, I'm going to give you everything, the one that belongs to you and the one that belongs to me, I'm going to give you all of it and I'm going to tell you the one you can eat and the one you can't eat and I'm going to sit down and watch if I can trust you. Do you know how many trees would have been in that garden? Can you count? That garden, I want to assume that there were thousands of trees because all the animals in the world were there. So I'm, I'm a, and all the fruits. Can you, do, you know, do you know we can't even count all the fruits that exist, even in Nigeria? How much more in the whole world? Which day you go chop all of them finish? God said, eat, you are free to eat every one of them except one. And guess what Satan came, come to, comes to tell them? Is that very one that God says you should not eat. 
Why didn't Satan tell them to eat pineapple? Why didn't Satan tell them to eat plantain? Why didn't Satan tell them to eat banana? Why didn't Satan tell them to eat orange? It's the exact one that God said they should not eat. That Satan came to sit on their head and say, you must eat. The first principle is the principle of the Sabbath day. That's the first one. God said the Sabbath day is what? Holy. Let's, let's read that and I'll explain. Um, let's start from Exodus 20, verse 8, I think. 8 to 11, Exodus 20. This was where they were giving the Ten Commandments. Now, of course, you know that as New Testament Christians, we are not really under the law, okay? It doesn't mean the law is not uh, in operation. What it means is that our relationship with God is no longer tied to our obedience to the law. Do we understand, guys? All right, because some people mistake what it means when they say we're not under the law. Some people think it means that the law doesn't matter again. The law always matters. What they are saying is that it's no more the basis of our relationship with God. Do you understand? Our relationship with God is based on what Jesus has done because Jesus himself has fulfilled all the law. Do you understand? So, so um, um, you are not your parents' child because you, you, you obey them. You are your parents' child because they born you. It doesn't mean you will now stop obeying them. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Your house help or your staff or the staff of your parents are staff because they obey your parents. If they stop obeying your parents, they will be what? Sacked. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. So when the, when the Bible said we are no longer under the law, some people think it means that the law doesn't count. No, that's not what they are saying at all. Oh, everything the Ten Commandments is valid. All of them, honor your parents, they are still all valid principles of life. But God, God will not disown you just because you don't keep it. What will happen to you when you don't keep it is that you will suffer the consequence of not keeping it. Not that God will, God will still love you. If you want to, some of you, they are put in prison that God still loves. They are born again because they are in prison. God loved them there. Because some people think, <laughs> let me now distract myself from what's going on. Okay. Um, Exodus, um, what? Let's start from verse 8. We're going to read all the way, verse 8 to verse 11. One to go. Everybody read. Beautiful. I will just continue from this last verse. He said, For in the six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is them, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord did what? Blessed. Take note of that word blessed. Anytime you see blessed in the Bible, it's something to note. It means there's a special anointing, a special grace upon that thing that makes things work beyond normal. He said, He blessed that Sabbath day and hallowed it. The word hallowed it means He made it what? Holy. Do you understand, guys? Um, so go back to verse 8. It says, so go back to verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy quickly. Uh, six days you, you can do all your work um, and all that. So even your servants and all that and all, and all that. Okay. Now, as New Testament believers, um, our Sabbath day is no longer one day. In this time, um, their Sabbath day was one particular day. Now, on that quick thing I need to teach you is that in the Old Testament, mainly God used pictures and physical things to communicate with them spiritual truth. Because they were not totally spiritual beings at that time. They didn't have the Holy Spirit inside them. 
Do we understand? In those days, um, God, they were not God's children. They were children of Israel. They were not God's children. Today, we, we are God's children. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So in that time, they deleted with God like God was their God. They were his people. Today, Jesus came and said, we should start saying our father. I, it was strange. When Jesus said our father, then they wanted to stone him. It was a strange thing to them because God was their God. They didn't enter this realm of us being God's children. They didn't have the Holy Spirit inside them. Their spirit was not alive. And when people's spirit is not alive, you can only communicate spiritual truth with physical things because that's what they can relate with. So every principle you will see in most of the, in the Old Testament, they are still valid in the New Testament. Just that now, in the New Testament, God doesn't depend on physical pictures to teach you. He can go right and teach you the principle now because you have the capacity to what? Grab it. So in that time, he was trying to teach them the law of the Sabbath, which means that everything in your hand is not your own. Everything in your hand doesn't mean you can spend it how you like. It doesn't work like that. He said, I will give you seven days. I expect you not to consume the whole seven days with work. He said, keep one day out of the seven days and make it holy. In that last day or that seventh day, you are not permitted to work. God is just trying to say, just because you have all the time, you are not free to use the time to do what you like. I can give you 24 hours, but in reality, all the 24 hours is not yours to consume on what you like. And what God is saying is that the, the first six days, you are free to do anything you like with it. But that seventh day or that Sabbath day, it is holy. You do not touch it. It is not yours. Is mine. That's what I was trying to say. Use that day to rest, to reflect, to refresh. Because I created you as a human being, and I know by your design, you are not meant to function seven days a week. You can't function like that. You won't, the best of you won't come out working every day. Somebody get what I'm saying? Now, God himself rested on the seventh day to teach this principle. This is how important it is that God, God didn't rest because he was tired. God do, doesn't get tired. In fact, the Bible says he neither slumbers nor sleep. So God didn't rest on the seventh day because he was tired. He rested for only one reason, to show us how to live. That even though you can walk on the seventh day, don't. I don't know if somebody's going to know what I'm saying. It's an issue of stewardship. An issue of trust, an issue of obedience. God is saying you can walk, but don't. Because it's blessed. Your blessings can be released if you consume your whole time at work. Now, for us as New Testament believers, Sabbath is not one particular day anymore. That time he used one particular day to teach them the principle. But the principle there is that you must take out time every day. You must take out, it's a concept, you must take out time every day to both rest and also honor the Lord. You can't work continuously. You must take out time to nourish yourself spiritually. You must take out time to build your communion with God every day. You will not go as far as you should go in life and in your Christian work without having a deliberate, conscious time of fellowship and prayer with the Lord, you won't go far in your work. 
you have to consciously set time apart for prayer, for meditating on scripture, reading the word of God. It's popularly called quiet time. Every believer needs to set that apart. If you are here and you consume all your day on yourself, it's going to limit God's blessing upon your life. And Satan's lie is to tell you that, my brother, hustle more. Hustle more. Hallelujah. Every time walk is the reason you don't have time for church. You have believed that lie. You have honored that lie. He has told you the same thing he told Adam and Eve. Eat your own and still eat God's own. Is somebody here? Every time you do that, every time you say, oh, I was at work, that's why I can't go to church, then you better log in online. You better find a way and start praying for another job or praying for a promotion or something. But stop consuming your time at work and still consume God's time at work. You are eating that fruit. You are doing what Adam and Eve did. Do you know how many hours you have in a day? You have 24 hours in a day. 24. And inside that 24, you can't even find 30 minutes. The person that gave you 24 said, give me 30 minutes inside. And you are too busy to give the person that gave you the 24 half of one. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. If you are too busy for God, you are too busy. Midweek services, for instance, one hour, 30 minutes, max, two hours. God gives you plenty hours throughout the week. He's saying inside all these hours, bring out two in the whole week and give me. No. And there are people that work on Sunday. And listen, because most of you work for worldly people, they don't understand this principle. So they want to work every day. You have to either start praying for the job or a better job, praying for a promotion or something, or praying that you get a position where you can, they can give you that time off because you need that time with the Lord daily. If it means you waking up earlier or sleeping later, however it's going to work for you, but you must carve out that time and make it a permanent ritual, a permanent appointment with God every day. All the blessings God has for you is in that place of quiet time with him. But you never come to collect it. You are always hustling. What's the lie Satan tells? He says, turn this stone into bread. Are you here, somebody? Turn this stone into what? Bread. You need to understand, guys. Bread means your daily sustenance. That's what bread means in the Bible. Do you understand? Bread means your daily sustenance. In fact, those days when we were younger, they used to call money bread. Abi? They call it bread or dough. It's linked to the same thing. In fact, in Bible days too, when Jesus was teaching them to pray for their daily supplies, what did he say they should pray? Give us this day our what? Daily bread. Bread means sustenance. It's not parfum. They don't mean parfum. Do you understand, guys? Bread means what you need to be sustained today. What you need to be sustained in your life. That's what bread means. 
So Satan comes and tells Jesus, turn the stone to bread. Uh, um, he said, give us there our daily bread. Um, Jesus himself came and said, I am the bread of life. Is somebody getting this? Bread means sustenance. Jesus came and said, I am the bread of life. See the problem. Satan says, go and hustle and make more money. If you have lived old enough, you would have learned now that money cannot solve all your problems. Jesus said, instead, invest in me. Me, I'm the bread of life. There is no problem you can have that I can't solve. He said, if you can spend a little time, part of the time you spend to hustle for money, if you spend it to chase me, money will even chase you. You won't need to chase it. So when Jesus, when Satan told Jesus, turn stone the bread, see what Jesus, see the answer Jesus gave. He said, man is not sustained, remember, by what? Bread alone. Does it, have, does it make a better meaning to you now? Jesus said, man, human beings were not designed. We were not designed. We were not designed to be sustained by money alone. But unfortunately, the most, most people I know spend their whole time chasing money. That's what people do. And they think I must hustle. That's why I hate when Christians use that word. It means you don't understand who you are. What are you hustling to do? Where are you hustling to go? You don't know who you are. Man must not live by bread alone. But how should man live? Did you bring it up? He said, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by natural financial sustenance alone. You were not designed like that. But he will live by what? Every word that what? Proceeded out of what? The mouth. What they mean by this, they are not talking about um, the logos of the word. The logos means the one that is written out like this. That's not what they mean. What they mean here is that as you spend time with God daily, you are supposed to be sustained. Listen. You are supposed to be sustained by what God tells you every day. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. This means, guys, this means, guys, even when your boss said we're not paying salaries this month, if you go to your place of prayer and God said, I'm going to take care of you, that's how you live. Not on the promise of what the man said. Not on the promise of what the government said. Not on the promise of what the economy said. You are living on the promise that God gave you. When I mean gave you, it's not gave us. This is not written word. This, now, he can use the written word, but this, you, you, he's gonna, that word is going to be directed specifically to you in your situation. And you know your, your situation is different part time. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. That's how you live. <laughs> That's how you live. So even when it's a marital problem, for instance... Money can't, bread can't solve that one. So, you have around your marriage, you want to live or you want to stay, you want to go, you will go to the place of prayer and he will give you a word. 
When he gives you a word, that is what is now determining how you live. Because sometimes the physical evidence is not the truth. The physical evidence can change. Are you here, somebody? Man must, can, is not designed to live by natural sustenance alone, but by every word that what proceedeth. Is, is, that proceedeth in continuous tense. Is in, when did you hear a word about your own life last? Oh, is somebody going to what I'm saying? This is the problem of all the Christians I know. They have no personal time with God. So they have no word of God over their lives. So they keep looking for men to tell them what God is saying. That's why I never take any prophecy really seriously. No, I know God. I'm going to ask him myself. Why should he tell you and not tell me? Prophecy should only be confirming what God is already telling you. We don't chase men to give us direction. Somebody getting this? So you are, you are worried about something. Have you gone before the Lord with it? If you have gone, what has he told you? If he has not told you, stay till he tells you. He must give you a word. Hallelujah. We don't leave. Hey, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. See, there are some things God will tell you to do right now. There's no money to do it, but you have received the word. And you begin to move. And as you begin to move, the resources begin to come. But if you are waiting to have the cash to move, you will never move. How did Peter walk on water? He had the word. You, you cannot go and walk on water because you don't have that word. That word is not written in the Bible. That was a specific word to Peter. And listen, when God speaks, you don't, oh. You don't understand. You don't, I don't think you understand, eh? This whole earth, how did it come? No, I didn't hear you. This whole earth, how did it come? By God speaking. So, when, when, when Peter was not even born again yet, and he was catching fish for Jesus, uh, you, Peter, Jesus used his boat, and he had all the night and didn't catch anything. What happened? Jesus came and said, cast your net into the other side. There were, no, there were really no fishes. See, Peter is a fisherman. This is his job. He's a job guy. If, 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 this is what he does. Yes, because he's a fisherman, and he's all tempered. That's the job. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, or, uh, uh, um, you know, so it's that, that area. So, Niger Delta. So he, <laughs> yes, he's salt tempered and he's a fisherman. So, <laughs> he cast his net. He had toiled all night. I've done some fishing before. Night is the best time to fish. In the daytime, fish can see you. They can see your hungry face that you want to eat fried fish. <laughs> so, they will, they will intentionally bone your net or bone your hook. But night is good because they're not seeing you well. So, he toiled all night, didn't catch it. So, there was really no fish. And he was an experienced fisherman, so he wasn't joking. There was no fish. But the moment the creator of the fish. Oh. I, 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 it's just painting me that I don't even know what and what you are missing by not being in God's presence. See, some of you, there are many things God wants to tell you. He's waiting like this that when will this boy come and sit down? I want to tell you about your life. I want to tell you that it's, it's, not, it's not this government that will help you. I, I want to help you. I want to tell you that it's not the economy that will help you. I want to help you. See, there's no useless life. They are only disconnected lives. No useless life. When God speaks over your life, it will come alive. No matter how poor you are now, no matter how bad things are for you now, I dare you to spend time with God. You will hear a word. And see, the power of hearing that word is not in the information. No, 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 not at all. It's not information. Because remember God told Peter, cast your net to the other side, wherever those fishes were. Because that's the same word that created them. 
Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. So you know what this means? If God tells you go into fashion, hmm? all the money in fashion industry, guess what will happen to it? From everywhere. They will begin to gather together. Because someone is about to go into fashion with a, with a, with a mandate from heaven. Hey, I don't know if you hear what I'm saying. Peter was toiling all night. They didn't answer him. The moment Jesus said, cast your net, the fish from wherever they were in the world, they began to assemble. They came so much that they broke his net. They filled his boat, two boats, him and his partner's boat, and the boat were sinking. Hallelujah. You are not broke because of the economy. You are broke because you don't have a word from God. Are you here, somebody? He said, man lives by every word that proceedeth. Continuous tense. So it's not just I heard in January, I'm not going to. No, you, you keep hearing. It keeps sustaining you. It keeps making a deposit of peace inside you. Why is a Christian depressed? He's not hearing God. Because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Every time he talks to you, his words carry his spirit. His words carry his miracle-working power. So every time he speaks, there's a reaction, an counter-reaction, both in the spiritual and in the physical. So if God says go, even if there was no road before that time, the moment he says go, the road begins to open. Because there's a command from a higher authority. When Peter said, Master, if it's you walking on water, ask me to come. Before that time, if anybody walk on water, they will sink. But the moment Jesus said what that proceeded out of Jesus' mouth to Peter was what? Come. From that time, the water became cement. Peter began to walk on it. There's someone here that's going to walk on water. You are going to walk on the water of business. You are going to walk on the water of promotion. In the name of Jesus. The impossible became possible. You are not broke because of the economy, guys. You are broke because you've not heard the word. You've not heard the word. Go and hear a word. And you do it by sitting at the master's feet. Jesus said one thing is needful. One thing is needful. Sitting at the master's feet. I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about personal prayer time. However, this is the way it works. If you have a personal good prayer time, you will not miss church. Most times when I'm not seeing people in church, I usually can bet they also don't have a personal prayer life. Most times when somebody's not regular in church, if I'm not seeing them, I'm sure God too is not seeing them in a personal place of prayer. I'm sure. Most times it's like that. Because if you, if you value your personal devotion time with God, it will reflect on your commitment and attendance in church. Are you here, somebody? It will reflect. If I'm not seeing you, most likely to God is not me seeing you too in your prayer place. I remember he said when you pray in secret, he said he rewards you what? Open. Things happen in the open that people don't know why it's happening. They think you are lucky. Christians are never lucky. Christians are blessed. There's a difference. Luck means chance. Luck means he can work today, he might not work tomorrow. Don't ever use luck for yourself, guys. Don't wish somebody good luck. Luck means chance. It means he can work today, he might not. Blessed means it works every single time. 
Are you here, somebody? Come on, say, I'm blessed. So there are some things that won't change in your life until you go and spend time with God. Some things won't change. Some things won't change. It's in that your personal time of prayer, personal time of studying the word, that God speaks a word to you. You can't even be an, a, a, an effective Christian without it. That's why he warns you about things to come. That's why he tells you things that you cannot do even though other people are doing it. That's when, that's when you receive strength to live the Christian life. If you are struggling to be a Christian, it's very simple. You don't have a strong devotion life. Stop building it. If you, if you, if you, see, if you go to work early, it's very simple. If you wake up 4 a.m. to go to work, it's very simple. That means start sleeping 8 p.m. So that you can still have enough time when you wake up to pray for at least 30 minutes, 45 minutes before you get ready for work. But you must have that personal devotion. Are you here, somebody? That's why you receive strength to love people. Strength to love your enemies. Strength to forgive people that have offended you. The strength to even pray comes from there. The strength to be a Christian comes from there. You can't, you can't do this Christian work with your power. Are you here, somebody? You can't do it with your power. Make up your mind today. Because that's the first lie that will tell you that hustle more. More bread will bring you more peace. It's a lie. What you need is the word that proceeded. Because as you begin to move forward, you find out that it's not all your problem that is money related. Money can even put you in trouble. I don't know if you're going to say. With money, you can go and rent out, start direction of the Holy Ghost. You will not rent out into inside where it's coven. <laughs> where your landlord is the worst in the world, your neighbors are horrible. It's money that caused that problem. If you were listening to God, he would have directed you, but you didn't listen. You put your children in the wrong school. Are you here, somebody? It's money. If you didn't have money, you will wait until God leads you. You have money, so you just went to solve it yourself. Somebody got, some people have died in their brand new car. Some people have died just because they can afford air ticket. If they couldn't afford air ticket, they'll be fine. And if you get what I'm saying. So money can solve all your problems. There are some sicknesses you will have. The best doctors themselves will tell you will have no cure. Money can solve everything. So, uh, so the missing link is that most Christians don't have that personal devotion. You need to build it. Have a, have a time that you spend with God personally in prayer. Whether it's morning or night, it must be consistent. Because the 24 hours is not yours. There are always parts of that 24 hours that you can't consume. It's holy. It's the principle of the Sabbath. I don't have time to read all the stories and all the things I wanted to read. How many of you think somebody like Dangote or, or so, let's use Dangote for example, do you think Dangote gets more sleep than you? Because he's richer than you. Does he get more sleep than you? If I use my physical calculation, I feel you might even have more peace than him. Do you know how many trailers he has? If I've, if I've ever run transport business in Nigeria, where, the person supposed to bring the bus back every day, for instance. Two days, you have not seen the driver. Where are you? I put it to you, sir. It's not likely that Dangote has more sleep than you. I, I doubt if he has more peace than you. Do you know how many, how many businesses he has? And how many of his money he needs to chase and monitor? And how many of his staff he needs to chase and monitor? So you can actually have more peace. Prosperity for us as believers is not about the accumulation of things. Some people need to learn that. Every word that proceedeth, and that, that, that word is the word rema. 
It means a word spoken to you. It's spoken to you. It's not, it's not this one that is written. Now, sometimes God will use this one, but you will know that it's, it's written upon for you specifically at that time. I don't know if you're going to what I'm saying. Hey, when God says go, eh? you, you might not have one naira, but if you had the go from God, as you take the step, money will start coming. The ideas, the possibilities, the direction will start coming. Many people want to wait until they see what to do first before they move. So that's why they never move. You are living naturally. You are not called to live naturally. Get a word from God for your marriage, for anything. You can't just marry a bum boy. Pray about what have you had? Has God spoken to you about the person you want to marry, or you just want to pick that girl or that boy because she's fair, she's fine, she's tall, he's rich. <laughs> I'll close by this scripture. I can't read it. I'll just give you the gist. Or let's... Oh, can we read it? Oh. Exodus 16. I'll just give you the gist. I don't have time. The children of Israel, they got manna for the first time. And Moses was teaching them how to gather it to eat. Because they didn't have any food. So manna used to fall every day. It used to come daily. So Moses said, them, gather enough that you need for each day. And of course, they said some people will gather more than they need. They said the people that gather more than they need... By the next day, it will, there will be maggots inside. He said, he told them, gather only enough for you daily. Don't gather for tomorrow. Gather only for today. God is right. God wanted to be supplying to them daily. He wanted to teach them the concept of trusting him. Is somebody got what I'm saying? He said, you don't have to accumulate so much. Trust me every day to meet your needs. So, but they will gather more than they need. And it will turn to maggots the next day. Then on the Sabbath day, he told them, gather for two days. That thing normally doesn't last beyond one day, but on the, sab- on the day before the Sabbath, when they gather for two days, God blesses that one, it lasts unusually. See, everything about God is supernatural, guys. It's painting me that some people have never seen the supernatural aspect of God. They've never seen the miraculous part of God. They, God they, they, ne- they never make room for him to even move. Everything is too planned. So, on the day before the Sabbath, they gather for two days and it doesn't get rotten only on that day. After that day, if you keep anyone, it will get rotten. And see what they say happened. They say some people gathered more, some gathered less, but they say in that day, everybody still had equal. Because it's supernatural. The principle of Sabbath is supernatural. You won't miss anything by being in church. Anything it seems you have missed by attending church or by spending time in prayer, God says, I will still cover it up back for you. That's what that principle is about. It's in Exodus 16. Then it says, anything you go and hustle, see the bad part, anything you go and hustle to do during time you're supposed to be in church or in time of prayer, you might gain money. It says something will still take it. You will still end up giving it to a mechanic. One unexpected cost will appear. That's what many people don't know. Most of the things you are using God's time to make, you never still keep it. Either they will take it the same month or they'll take it down the line, but you, you never keep it. It's there. It's a principle of scripture. You don't keep it. When Adam and Eve ate the apple, they didn't keep the garden again. The whole garden was even taken. You never get blessed by taking what belongs to God. That's, what, that's the biggest lie. Satan tells you it's your own. It, it's a lie. If you touch it, you will lose even the one that was your own. Oh, I don't know if somebody got it. If you touch it, you will lose the one God gave you freely. You will now lose it. Don't spend God's time doing any other thing. Today, make up your mind, you'll never miss church. Don't even come late. It's rude to come late. It's rude to God to come late. If service is 7.30, you can't be leaving your house at 7.30. You can't even be getting here at 7.30, especially if you have a car, because you still have to find parking. 
You still have to drop your children. No. You used to get here at 7 o'clock. So you pack, you drop your children, and you still be start from opening prayer. It's rude to have an appointment with God and come late. It's very rude. He gave you 24 hours. If he takes it, there are people that can't move. I hope you know. There are people that can't even breathe. They are in oxygen. You can breathe freely. And you are coming late. Those people in oxygen, they are begging to have the chance to be where you are today. Make up your mind today. Commitment I want you to make before I move to the closest thing I have to do. Make up your mind never to miss church. Both Sunday and midweek. Plan it. Start walking towards it. If midweek is still hard for you, start thinking about how to sort that out. But Sunday, never miss Sunday. Don't let people invite you for a meeting or something or something. Let them know you have to be in church. Let them know. Don't be afraid to say it. God will bless you for it. Then make up your mind to have a personal time of prayer every day. Inside every 24 hours. Either at the beginning or the end. Whatever works for you. Beginning is always good. But whatever works for you. But beginning is preferred. Because before the day starts. And before distractions come. Have a time of prayer. Even if it's 30 minutes, you can start with. That prayer, that time of prayer should involve worship. Should involve um, talking to God. If you pray in the Holy Ghost, it's better. You can pray in the Holy Ghost. So that God will speak to you. Then please, don't be in a rush. Don't do it in a rush. Because you need God to speak to you. God doesn't usually speak when you're in a rush like that. So wake up on time. You know there's traffic already. So wake up on time. So that you can spend that time of prayer without rushing. Maybe 30 minutes, 35 minutes, 40 minutes, but do it every day. Do we understand now? So that's the first principle of the Sabbath and the first principle of the biggest lie. Seven things that are holy. The first one is the Sabbath day. Hallelujah. I'll close by saying this. Um, we did the project thing um, last week. I mean, if you remember, we did it last week. We're, we're seriously believing God to make this move in a few months. As a matter of fact, we actually need to make first payment of that property by next month. I can give you money to sow. That's what we're saying. Look at this here. So for as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not either, but water the earth and make it bring forth and board, that he may give what? Seed to who? Sower and what? Bread. So if you want to give toward this project, God can actually give you what to give. That's what they're saying. God can supply to you what you need. He doesn't only supply when you are in need to pay your rent. He can also supply when you want to sow towards something. Do we get it? Okay, a few points quickly. Number one, God will usually speak a figure to you. So as we're announcing our project, God will lay something in your heart. For me, God laid a figure in my heart specifically. It's not something I thought I could give right now. In fact, not a thought. I don't even have the money. But it wasn't even what I was thinking I should be pledging. It's big. All right? So God told me. So God usually will give you a figure. So please, when God speaks to you, take note whether he speaks to you or not. Don't just jump into it. Don't just take the smallest figure I call. There, is, there, is, there are even some people that the figure they put wasn't, I didn't call it at all. There, there's somebody that even pledged 100 million. I, I didn't start from 100. I started from 50 million. So do, follow what God tells you. Very important, okay? God will usually give you a figure. Please obey that figure. Number two points. If it's God that told you the figure, it will usually be bigger than you. That's how you know it's God. If it's your size, if it's something you have in your account, mm, it's your mind that told you it's not God. And it can't be Satan. Satan doesn't tell Christians to give. Satan tells Christians not to pay their tithe. He freezes them. <laughs> because he wants to freeze their account, so he freezes their brain. So, no, so number two, like I said, if it's God, it will be bigger than you. It will be something you can't afford. Something you can't afford. He told Abraham to give Isaac. Abraham could not afford that. He told the woman to give her alabaster box. God ministered to her to give it. She couldn't afford it. That's one year's salary. He told the, the, the widow to give her last meal. She couldn't afford it. She, she, she said if he gives it, she would die. When they fed 5,000, he told one small boy to give his last lunch. After people had not eaten for two, three days. Only one boy had bread and fish. They said, bring it. One small boy, not even an adult. 
He couldn't afford it. Somebody get what I'm saying? So if it's God speaking that figure to you, one thing you will notice about it is that it's bigger than what you were thinking. It must be bigger than your mind. Because usually when God speaks, he's trying to expand your mind. Number three, quickly. Don't allow fear to grip your heart. Usually when God speaks to you about giving, the next thing that comes to knock at your door is fear. Fear. When they told the woman of the widow of Zarephath, give your last food, the first thing Elijah said to her is, fear not. Because when the figure is big, fear will grip you. Fear will grip you. It will try and dissuade you from making the commitment, all right? So watch out for fear and natural thinking. I don't have, where will I get it from? I've explained, God supplies. He just needs your cooperation. Number four, agree with God, all right? He just wants vessels. So just agree with him and be available. Number five, commit to it by faith. So that's why we ask you to come and write pledges and come out. If you have not filled out a pledge card, fill it out. Because when you don't fill it out, when you don't come out like that, before you know it, you start changing what the figure is. When, in quotes, reality hits you. That I don't have money, you, I, they, 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 you start changing the figure. You must commit. That's how faith is released. All right? Number what? What's the next point? Six. Number six. Um, be faithful when it comes. Be faithful when God supplies the money to so Be faithful. What, what I usually do in my own house, once I make a pledge, um, every other thing I'm doing is on hold till I redeem that pledge. So when any money that enters my hand goes towards me redeeming the seed. So don't, don't, don't be solving other problems while you're waiting for one big money. No. As the money starts coming, even if it's in batches, start sowing it. Be faithful from your own end. Very important. Because some people, they make a pledge, God supplies the money, they first use to solve their own problems. Mm, God must be first. Then lastly, please expect a harvest. Expect a harvest as you sow. This harvest is not just financial harvest. Any other area of your life where you need a miracle. Whenever God calls for a seed, he blesses. And when which project is in billions, it means God wants to raise billionaires in the house. I thought I'd hear a louder amen. amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Last, okay. Can we lift our hands? Father, we thank you. We're making a comment today to start operating the principle of the Sabbath. We will not touch the time that belongs to you. We will not consume the whole 24 hours. It doesn't belong to us, even though it's with us. Give us a heart that will start keeping your own time holy and untouched. We will not believe the lie of the devil. Thank you, Father, for willing. We will enjoy the blessing of getting a word from your presence in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand. We know you've been blessed by this message. To order a copy of this message or any of our messages, you can call us on 080-777-14411 or 080-777-14412 or you can visit our website on www.davidschristiancenter.org David's Christian Center, home of victorious people.